Section one of British Seabirds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. British Seabirds by Charles Dixon. Chapter one Girls and Turns, Part one. Among the many natural objects that confront the visitor to the sea, there are none more readily detected than birds. The wide waters of the ocean and its varied coastline of cliff or sand, shingle or mud-flat, are the haunts of many birds of specialised type. Many of these birds are only found on or near the sea. They are as inseparably associated with it as the beautiful shells and seaweeds and anemones themselves. Some of these birds are common and widely distributed, others are scarce or local in their habitat, some frequent the shore, others the water whilst many are equally at home on both. Again, many of them are migratory, or of wandering habits, some but summer visitors, others winter refugees. It matters little, however, what the season may be, for many interesting birds are sure to be met with by the sea, the wide waters and wet tide-swept shores are a perennial feeding-place, and a safe and congenial refuge. Of all the birds that haunt the sea and the shore, those of the gold family are the best known from whichever direction the sea is reached almost invariably the first indication of its vicinity is a gull sailing along it may be in easy careless flight or wheeling and gliding high in air above the waste of restless waters the gull and its kindred then are inseparably associated in the minds of most people with the sea and with them therefore it certainly seems most appropriate to commence our study of marine bird life. The gull family is divided by many systematists into three fairly well-defined groups or subfamilies, viz. the typical gulls or larinae, the skewers or stercorarinae, and the terns or steraniae. The skewers, however, are included with the typical gulls by many naturalists, a proceeding for which much may be said thus reducing the three subfamilies to two. In their distribution, the gulls and terns may almost be regarded as cosmopolitan, but the skewers are chiefly boreal in their dispersal, four of the half-dozen known species breeding in the Arctic regions, and two others dwelling in the higher latitudes of the southern hemisphere. Some of the species are very widely distributed. The dispersal of others is just as remarkably restricted. For instance, the Glaucus gull has a circumpolar habitat, and the black-headed gull ranges from the Faroe Islands to Japan, but, on the other hand, Larus fuliginosus is said to be peculiar to the Galapagos Islands, and Larus belleri to New Zealand. Three out of the four species of Arctic skewers are circumpolar in their distribution. The fourth may possibly be so. In adult plumage, the gulls are not remarkable for any great diversity of colour, French grey predominates upon the upper parts, the underparts are white, often suffused with a delicate rosy tint. The primaries are usually dark grey, brown or black, in many species spotted and tipped with white. Some species assume, by a change of colour and not by a moult, a sooty brown or black head or hood during the breeding season. Ross's gull dons a black narrow colour at that period. The wings are ample, long and pointed. The tail is even, except in Ross's gull, in which it is wedge-shaped, and in Sabine's gull, in which it is forked. The legs are comparatively short, and the feet are webbed. Gulls moult twice in the year. 
when first hatched young gulls are covered with down young in first plumage of the black-headed group of gulls have the feathers of the mantle the scapulars and the innermost secondaries brown with pale margins the crown nape and ear coverts brown and the tail with the broad subterminal band of the same colour the second plumage assumed as soon as the foregoing is completed retains brown marks of immaturity on the scapulars and innermost secondaries the wing coverts are streaked with brown and the tail still retains its brown subterminal band this plumage is carried until the following spring when the brown hood assumed for the first time is mottled with white the tail band is more or less broken whilst the scapulars and innermost secondaries assume the colour peculiar to the adult for several years the white markings on the primaries gradually increase in extent until the bird arrives at perfect maturity the larger gulls of which the herring may be taken as a typical species mature much more slowly the perfectly adult plumage not being assumed until the bird is four years old the plumage succeeding the downy stage is brown on the upper parts each feather with a pale margin and white on the under parts streaked with brown after each succeeding molt in spring and autumn the traces of immaturity grow less the wing coverts and tail retaining them longest the white spots on the primaries are the latest signs of complete maturity the colour of the feet bill iris and irides slowly changes until that characteristic of the adult is assumed gulls popularly speaking are inseparably associated with the sea yet the haunts of many species especially during the breeding season are by no means exclusively marine ones almost every kind of coast is frequented by these birds rocky headlands precipitous downs sandy dunes mud flats or slob lands and marshes whilst every harbour round the shore of our islands is periodically visited gulls are not very pronounced migrants they wander about a good deal during the non-breeding season and many arctic species draw southwards during winter but all the indigenous british forms are residents on and off the coast throughout the year with these few words of introduction we will now proceed to give a more detailed account of the strictly british species great black-backed gull this the largest of the gulls and scientifically known as larus marinus is one of the least common british species most locally distributed during the breeding season it is not known to breed anywhere on the east coast of england and but very locally on the south coast in dorset it becomes more numerous in the wilder districts in cornwall the scilly isles and lundy and thence locally along the welsh coast and in the solway district in scotland it becomes more common especially among the islands on the west coast including st kilda and on the north coast the orkneys and shetlands it is also widely distributed in ireland but there as everywhere else extremely local and nowhere comparatively speaking numerous during the non-breeding season it wanders more and is then seen at many places along the coast i have seen as many as fifty of these fine birds in tor bay after heavy gales from the eastward montague asserts that this gull is locally known as a cob but the term is of pretty general application to the larger gulls and so far as i can learn has no distinctive significance in st kilda where i had many opportunities of studying the habits of this gull it is regarded with hatred by the natives owing to its depredations amongst the eggs of the other sea-fowl 
In this island it is universally known by the name of Farsback. No girl is more wary, and yet on occasion none are bolder and more daring. I have seen a bird of this species tear to pieces a puffin I had shot as it floated upon the sea, and that in spite of several shots I had at it with a rifle. It is a sad robber of the other and more weakly gulls, not only purging their nests at every opportunity, but chasing them, and making them relinquish bits of food they may chance to pick up within view. Like the raven and the crow, it seems fully conscious of its marauding misdeeds, and correspondingly artful, as if always instinctively fearing that treatment it meets out so lavishly to creatures more helpless than itself. The great black-backed gull is one of the least gregarious of the family, and the large gatherings of this species that are sometimes witnessed are chiefly due to such accidental causes as an unwanted supply of food, or a continued spell of boisterous weather, which often drives gulls in thousands into sheltered bays and estuaries. This gull is generally met with beating about in a solitary manner. Less frequently three or four may be seen together, whilst even in the breeding season, when most gulls congregate into colonies, whose size seems only to be regulated by the accommodation presented, it is certainly the least sociable of all the British species. It is a great nomad during the non-breeding season, often wandering far from land, resting and sleeping on the sea. On the other hand, it is one of the least frequent visitors of the gull tribe to inland districts, and, as its specific name of Marinus indicates, is closely attached to the sea. The usual call note of this fine gull is a loud whining, oft repeated, ag, ag, ag. Notwithstanding the purity of its plumage, and the magnificence of its presence, the great black-backed gull is almost as unclean in its habits as the raven or the vulture. No kind of carrion is refused, either lying on the shore or floating on the sea. Weakly, death-stricken lambs or wounded birds, eggs or chicks left unguarded by their owners, fish basking or sleeping near the surface, offal cast from the fishing boats or keys, animal refuge of all kinds, form the prey of this gull. The usual breeding place of this gull is the top of an isolated rock stack, a little distance from the mainland. Nest frequently it selects a range of high cliffs overhanging the sea. A small island in a mountain loch is sometimes selected, and occasionally this may be some considerable distance inland. In a few chosen spots the birds nest in such close, if somewhat scattered proximity, that we might call it a colony, but the rule is for odd and more or less isolated pairs to be met with, and often at considerable distances apart. The fact that this gull may be found nesting in one chosen spot year by year warrants the supposition that it may pair for life. The usual scanty nest is made in a hollow amongst the short turf or heath, or on the flat ledge of a precipice. Sometimes the eggs are laid in a bare hollow amongst the rocks, it is formed of grass, dry seaweed, twigs, and stalks of marine plants, and occasionally a tuft of wool, or a few odd feathers are placed in the lining. The eggs are usually three in number, but sometimes only two, or even one. They are greyish-brown, or brown, sometimes tinged with olive in ground colour, spotted with dark umber-brown and brownish-grey. This gull is a very light sitter, but is bold and clamorous when disturbed from the nest lesser black-backed gull very similar in appearance but much smaller in size it is only about half the weight this pretty gull the larus fuscus of linnaeus 
is one of the most familiar birds of the coast especially in the more northerly portions of the british islands it is a more trustful species than its larger ally admits man to approach it with less show of fear or wariness and may often be seen on the meadows and ploughed fields near the sea seeking for its food as familiarly as a rock or a door singularly enough the east and south coasts of england are not resorted to by this gull for breeding purposes it is not known to breed south of the coast of northumberland or east of that of devonshire and this is all the more remarkable seeing that one of its most important colonies in our area is situated upon the farne islands it breeds locally from cornwall to the solway but further northwards becomes more generally dispersed right up to the orkneys and the shetlands in ireland again this gull is a very local breeder and is only known to nest in one or two localities during the non-breeding season it wanders far from home and may then be met with on and off most of the british coasts young and immature birds do not resort much to the nesting colonies but roam widely at all seasons it is a very remarkable fact that adult gulls of this species are so rarely seen near heligioland as the species breeds commonly on the baltic and scandinavian coasts and yet its average appearance at the island is about once in ten years the heligolandish name for this gull is very appropriate signifying little mantle wearer and refers to the dark slate grey mantle unlike its larger ally the present species is very gregarious and socially inclined at all seasons mixing freely not only with its own kind but with the herring gull and the smaller forms such as the kittiwake and the common gull these latter birds however must too often prefer its room to its company for it repeatedly robs them of their prey and is gull-like ever ready to profit by the labours of its weaker congeners like the preceding species it is almost omnivorous in its tastes and will as readily make a meal from stranded garbage on the shore as from the living fish it deftly swoops upon as they swim near the surface on the lincolnshire coast it visits the flight nets in company with the hooded crows and preys upon any birds that may be entangled in them it is also a persistent follower of ships attending the trawlers and feeding upon the refuge fish cast overboard when the trawl net is emptied it swims lightly enough even on a rough sea riding like a cork on the wave crests and sleeps upon the water when roaming far from land flocks of this gull may often be seen standing upon the mud-flats or level sandy reaches preening their plumage and waiting it may be for a turn of the tide that may bring some particular food of which they are in quest it will be remarked that these larger gulls especially often run for a short distance before taking flight and that when alighting they frequently keep their long wings unfolded and erect for a moment or two before finally closing them great numbers of the lesser black-backed gulls and other species collect in tor bay during the herring and sprat seasons and at these times they will wait and watch about the harbours and quays in fluttering hosts for the odd fish or offal the note of this gull very closely resembles that of the herring gull so closely in fact that no symbol can denote the difference it may be syllabled as clee oo clee oo and during the breeding season is very persistently uttered owing to its relatively longer wings this gull looks more graceful in the air than its larger and heavier congener its flight is remarkably easy and buoyant and on occasion rapid 
the usual breeding places of the lesser black-backed gulls are low rocky islands these larger gulls always prefer an island covered with gorse marine grass sea campion and the like but in some localities a rock stack an island in an island lake on grassy downs in mosses and flows this gull usually breeds in colonies and some of these are very large one of the most extensive within the present writer's experience is situated on the farne islands the entire group of islands may be regarded as one vast colony of lesser black-backed gulls if we accept a few of the outlying rocks where the cormorants breed it is more than likely that this gull pairs for life seeing that it resorts to the same nesting places year by year for time out of mind the nest even in the same colony varies a good deal in size and general completeness some birds are content merely to line a hollow in the rocks with a little dry grass others are more bulky yet slovenly structures rude heaps of turf heather stems sea campions or dry grass and seaweed the lining being composed of finer grasses many of them often semi-green occasionally a feather or two are seen but these may be due more to accident than to design few sights in the bird world are prettier than a colony of disturbed gulls during the breeding season as their haunts are invaded the frightened birds rise in fluttering thousands drifting to and fro like a snowstorm in which each flake is a startled bird the noisy din the rush of wings the swooping soaring fluttering gulls the ground strewn with nests all combine to form a picture in the mind that time can never efface the eggs of this gull are usually three in number sometimes as many as four they vary to an almost incredible degree the ground colour varies from pale green to dark olive brown and grey spotted blotched or streaked with dark liver brown pale brown and grey vast numbers of the eggs of this gull are collected for food especially at the farne islands the birds do not appear to suffer in any way by this systematic pillage for they are always allowed to rear brood from a second clutch at the farms and most rigorously protected whilst doing so herring gull of all the gulls that frequent the british coast this the well-known larus argentatus i e silver-winged is certainly the most common and widely dispersed it is no exaggeration to say that the herring gull may be met with on every part of the british coast from the orkney and shetlands islands on the north to cornwall and the scilly islands in the south from the blasquets in the wild west of ireland to the mouth of the thames and the bass rock in the east it is the gull par excellence associated in the popular mind with the seashore the sea gull of the visitor to marine resorts ubiquitous well known from the land's end to john o'groats for its size it is certainly the tamest and least suspecting gull found on british waters it may be readily recognized when adult by the pale grey colour of its mantle but the young and immature birds are less easily identified during the non-breeding season it wanders far and wide like the rest of its kind and is a very frequent visitor to the fields not only adjoining the sea but at some distance inland whilst tilling operations are in progress especially in spring it passes regularly from the coast to the fields following the plough or collecting upon the newly manured pastures in quest of food wild stormy weather i have repeatedly noticed will also drive this gull landward sooner perhaps than any other species like its congeners it is practically omnivorous carrion is sought after as readily as living fish and other marine creatures 
i have also known the species regularly to visit a slaughter-house near the coast to feed upon the offal thrown upon the pastures for manure and i have repeatedly watched the pure plumaged birds fighting with the rooks and crows for a share of the feast this girl will also feed on grain grubs and worms and is a constant follower of vessels and congregates in unusual numbers at fishing harbours during the sprat and herring seasons in its flight it is graceful in the extreme and may often be seen soaring at a vast altitude like a vulture writing on the flight of this gull gatki in his fascinating work heligoland as an ornithological observatory says not only are these gulls able to soar in a calm atmosphere in a direction straight forwards or sideways on calmly outspread wings but as has been more fully discussed in the case of buzzards they can also in a manner similar to theirs soar upwards to any desirable attitude the gulls are able to perform their soaring movements on the same plane in all phases of the weather during the most violent storm as well as in a perfect calm progressing forwards or sideways at the most variable rates of velocity now darting along with the swiftness of an arrow now merely gliding as it were at the slowest pace imaginable in the latter case indeed we are frequently even against our will forced to the conclusion that these birds must have at their command some unknown means or mechanism which prevents their sinking for neither is the surface area of their wings large enough nor are these organs sufficiently concave in form to allow of their supporting the bird after the manner of a parachute i can endorse these remarks fully from my own observations conf idle hours of nature page two hundred sixty one two hundred sixty two that these flights are accompanied with any vibratory movements of the feathers is erroneous as i have had many opportunities of satisfying myself especially when observing the flight of the fulmer at st kilda the birds then not being more than six feet away from me when i am positive every individual feather was in perfect rest but to return from this digression to the general habits of the herring gull the breeding season of this gull is in may and june owing to its remarkable aptitude for accommodating itself to the various peculiarities of the coast it is certainly the most widely distributed gull of the british species during the season of reproduction perhaps its favourite breeding-place is a low rocky island but failing this it is equally at home upon a range of sea-cliffs a stack of rocks or less frequently an island in a loch or as at foulshore moss in westmoreland a marsh the nest is made on a ledge or in a hollow or chink of the cliffs in a sheltered hollow of the grassy downs or amongst the thick growth of sea campion thrift or other marine plants that often grow so luxuriantly in the birds haunts i have remarked that the nest is usually larger when built on a cliff than when on the ground and in some cases is almost dispensed with it is composed of turf dry seaweed coarse grass and stalks of various marine plants lined with finer grass often gathered green the eggs are two or three in number varying in ground colour from pale bluish green through yellowish brown to olive brown and the spots are small and few and dark brown pale brown and grey this gull will lay a second lot of eggs if the first clutch be taken as they often are for culinary purposes when the nesting places are intruded upon by human visitors the gulls as usual become very noisy the birds whose eggs are most distinctly threatened being filled with the greatest clamour i have often remarked that gulls whose nests were safe in inaccessible parts of the cliffs 
have remained quietly sitting on them while their less fortunate neighbours have been filled with noisy alarm as they watch the fate of their eggs from the air above the note is very similar to that of the preceding species common gull this pretty gull larus canus of linnaeus is during the summer months especially one of the most locally distributed of the british species the common gull formerly bred in lancashire but at the present time is not known to do so anywhere in england from the solway northwards it becomes tolerably common as a breeding species right up to the shetlands in many inland localities as well as on the coast it is also a somewhat local bird in ireland the common gull or blue mar as it is locally known is about half the size of a herring gull with a mantle in the adult almost as dark as that of the lesser black-backed gull during the non-breeding season this gull is fairly well distributed along the coast and then visits localities where it is never seen in summer it is a decided shore species rarely wandering far out to sea and is one of the few gulls driven inland by stormy weather although popularly believed to be so inseparably associated with the sea the gulls and especially the smaller kinds such as the one now under notice often resort to fields even at some distance from the water the common gull seems as much at home inland as on the shore i have seen it on the high moorlands and in scotland flying about many a loch pool or land-locked sea arm it is equally at home on the ploughed lands and the pastures yet its plumage seems strangely out of place in such localities and the incongruity is further intensified should the startled birds take refuge in a neighbouring tree as they sometimes do there is nothing specially remarkable about the flight of this gull it is performed in the slow and deliberate manner of all these birds and is equally wonderful in many of its characteristics the food of this gull is composed indiscriminately of marine and terrestrial creatures the bird will follow the plough or search the pastures for grubs insects and worms it searches the shore for any stranded creature to its omnivorous taste it hunts the wide waste of waters in quest of fish and follows vessels to pick up any refuge that may be thrown from them this gull is to a great extent nocturnal in autumn and winter its note is a harsh and persistently uttered yak 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 most frequently heard when its breeding places are invaded by man or predaceous animals the common gull is a thoroughly gregarious and social bird often congregating in large flocks and mingling with other species by the end of april most of the adult common gulls have left all our southern coasts and retired northwards to their breeding places as these are visited yearly in succession it is not improbable that this gull pairs for life its nest colonies are situated both inland and on the coast an island in a mountain lake the marshy shore of a loch the flat table-like summit of a rock stack or the rolling grassy downs near the open sea in little populated districts may be chosen but so far as my experience with this gull extends i have found the favourite site to be rocky islands in quiet secluded sea lochs these colonies of common gulls vary a good deal in size and in some districts perhaps where suitable sites are scarce the bird breeds in scattered pairs only the eggs are laid during the last half of may and the first half of june only one brood is reared in the season but if the first eggs are taken they are generally replaced the nest of this gull varies much in size some structures are mere hollows lined with a tuft or two of grass others are more elaborate composed of heather stems pieces of turf seaweed and stalks of marine plants lined with finer grass often gathered green 
they are built indiscriminately amongst the long herbage in hollows and crevices of rocks or on ledges of the bare cliffs in norway the eggs of this gull have been taken from the deserted nest of a hooded crow in a pine tree but no instances of similar character have occurred so far as is known in our islands the common gull usually lays three eggs but instances of four are not rare they run from olive brown to bluish brown in ground colour spotted and often streaked with darker brown and brownish grey the eggs of this gull are extremely good eating one often wonders why they are not gathered for the table just as much as those of the lapwing kittiwake this charming gull the larus tridactylus of scientists so named from its entirely absent or rudimentary hind toe is one of the best known as it is one of the most widely distributed british species these remarks are however most applicable to the non-breeding season for during the nesting time it is rather more local owing to the conditions under which its young are reared the kittiwake very closely resembles the common gull in general appearance but the mantle is paler the legs and feet are dark brown and the primaries or longest feathers of the wings have broad black tips it is also a perceptibly smaller bird the smallest in fact of the typically marine gulls of all the british gulls the kittiwake is certainly the most maritime in its habits and is never known to visit inland districts unless driven from the coast by storms of exceptional violence save in the breeding season it may be met with on all the low-lying coasts visiting harbours bays and fishing villages and imbuing many a littoral scene with life the kittiwake is a much more oceanic bird than the common gull and often wanders immense distances from land in quest of food it is said that birds of this species have been known to follow vessels across the north atlantic but this seems almost incredible not because the bird is physically unable to perform this feat but because we can scarcely believe any bird would wander of its own free will so far from the local centre of its habitat one of the most striking characteristics of the kittiwake is its peculiar cry heard to the best advantage at the nesting places this note from which the colloquial name of the species is derived resembles the syllables kitty at ache requiring but little play upon the imagination to render as get away i get away it is only during the breeding season that this cry is heard to perfection and after that is over the bird becomes a singularly silent one the flight of this gull is light and buoyant but powerful and often long sustained the bird may often be observed fishing at no great distance from shore flying to and fro every now and then poising and hovering previous to pouncing upon a fish or other floating object it is also an adept swimmer and very frequently sleeps while sitting on the waves the kittiwake is perhaps more exclusively a fish feeder than any other british gull it seldom searches for food on shore and does not exhibit those omnivorous tastes that characterize so many of its congeners it is a persistent follower of fish shoals especially herrings and sprats and will remain in the company of fishing fleets for weeks together a scrap of food thrown from a ship will speedily be seized by one of these birds whilst a few crustaceans and other marine creatures are taken from time to time the kittiwake is a rather late breeder it most probably pairs for life as the same nesting places are resorted to each season of all the gulls none breed in more inaccessible situations the nests are almost always built upon a beetling ocean cliff against which the waves are forever beating in ceaseless strife except during the three months or so of the breeding season this gull is seldom seen at its nesting sites in april or may the birds collect at their various stations never quite to leave them again until the young are able to fly 
it is a very gregarious bird and some of the gulleries are very extensive containing many thousands of pairs in some localities however where the accommodation is either limited or unsuitable but a few birds congregate to form a colony the nests often made as close together as they can be wedged are built upon the ledges shelves and prominences of rocks favourite spots are where the cliffs overhang or at the entrance of a cave or hollow in the precipice they are made at varying heights on the cliff tier above tier the lowest often within a few feet of high water mark but the most crowded places are usually about midway up from the sea the nests are large and well made many of them apparently the accumulation of years composed externally of turf and roots with much of the soil attached and caked together upon this foundation a further nest of seaweed and the stalks of various plants is formed finely lined with finer and dry grass and sometimes a few feathers the nests and the cliffs in their vicinity are thickly whitewashed with the droppings of the birds the eggs are two or three in number rarely four and vary from greenish blue through pale buff and buffish brown to brownish olive blotched and spotted with reddish brown pale brown and grey no words of mine can adequately describe the beauty and animation of a colony of kittiwakes their cries are deafening and when the frightened birds flutter from the cliffs and pass to and fro in thousands like a living snowstorm the effect whether seen from the water or from the cliffs above is charming in the extreme it is sad to think that such a spot should too often become a scene of slaughter but such is the case the poor birds breeding too late fully to profit by the protection afforded by law vast numbers of this pretty gentle gull are killed yearly for the sake of their plumage even when the breeding places are left the poor birds are shot in thousands out at sea the kitty wake is the most trustful perhaps of the gulls and a flock will remain hovering round a boat until almost decimated by the gunners the young kittiwake is widely known along the coast under the name of Tarak. End of section one.